Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, you'll be listening to PSY 342, Psychology of the Exceptional Child. I hope you listen and enjoy. All right, guys, we're in week eight, and this is session five. We have been looking at some of the different other health impairments, and we just walked through a definition of what that would mean. And if you look at this, you can see there are some of those conditions that we talked about on here. Um, there's maybe one or two more, so I just kind of wanted to walk you through um, some of the conditions. So you can see asthma is a respiratory condition. Um, the child will struggle to breathe. Um, and they may need to have a, a nebulizer or a respirator or something for a period of time. It's, it's very scary um, for the kids. And this is, again, usually pretty severe asthma before you would actually get a ruling. Some of the more minor forms you wouldn't. Net cystic fibrosis, um, we mentioned that, but has recessive genes um, from the parents. But what you'll see is there's a lot of problems with the respiratory system. There's a huge buildup of uh, kind of mucus type stuff that gets in the lungs it makes it very hard for this person to breathe well so they have a really kind of wheezy cough um, that goes with this it's not contagious but it sounds bad and then there's problems in the digestive system particularly in the pancreas um, where they're going to have some problems with that and um, eventually this oftentimes is a killer um, usually in the 25 to 30 euro range, um, this person's actually likely to die. And we're doing better with some of these things, but still kind of tough. All right, diabetes is something that we see usually with children. It's type 1, although we're starting to see type 2, which is more environmentally produced. But um, if it's type 1, it's heredity. Um, and they really just have the pancreas having trouble making enough insulin to process um, the different things in their body that turn to sugar. They don't metabolize that well um, and they may have to take insulin um, there are pumps now that the kids can wear that kind of just keep their insulin at a, a fairly steady rate but many are, are doing it by shot still all right nephritis um, remember is the kidney um, type of issue and sometimes it's not as serious sometimes it is and note it could be an infection or a poisoning or something like that but um, if it gets really really bad and we go into kidney failure then we really got a problem we'll have to have dialysis and maybe hopefully a kidney transplant sickle cell anemia as we mentioned are the cells that have that c shape and they don't circulate well in the the capillaries and um, it comes again from each parent it's a recessive disease and it's actually a really tough one um, for the kids to deal with they actually um, really do struggle and most of the those kids also do have a shorter life expectancy as well hemophilia as we mentioned is where you don't have enough clotting so you bleed excessively and that is on your x chromosome Rheumatic fever, as we mentioned, can have some of the same symptoms you're going to get with like uh, rheumatoid arthritis where the joints are, swell up and get inflamed. And um, no, usually this is something you'd get after you had a, a some sort, sort of level of strep throat or scarlet fever. Um, tuberculosis, we just don't see this too, too much. So I'm not going to really go over that. And then cancer, leukemia is a kind of cancer. There's a lot of other cancers. Um, we've got um, a lot of cells that really are affecting the different body types. It, you know, y'all have heard of the different kinds of cancers that exist. Um, usually we treat this with chemotherapy or radiation therapy. Um, some of the kids take steroid treatments for a period of time and 
with childhood cancer, frequently they had to go for many times to be treated, and this can take years of treatment for them um, to deal with the different cancers that exist. All right, so let's look at some prevalence numbers. Um, we had in 2008 about 11% of the children who got some sort of special ed services um, as OHI classification, and that, that's a 6 to 21-year-old uh, range. Um, when we look at just every student who's out there, it's um, somewhere between 10 and 30% who will have some sort of illness that lasts at least three months. Many things are lifelong, as you, as you noted, but sometimes this is just something that we know this person is going to have three months of sickness. So, you know, Mona might be an example where we might need a, a, an OHR ruling for a year um, because the child is dealing with that and is, and is struggling. There are a number, as you can see, of different health impairments, and at least 200 exist. Uh, we certainly can't cover all of them, but all you really need are two doctors that will say that you have um, a different, um, some sort of illness that's chronic, um, or, or it's acute, maybe like for just three or four months, um, that you're gonna end up missing a lot of school for this year or possibly many years and that you need this ruling. So it's really not a tough thing uh, to get the diagnosis for. So let's look a little bit asthma. Asthma is a lung condition. Um, the child is really gonna struggle to breathe. Um, there's a lot of obstruction of the, the airway passages and so they're not getting air in. Um, to take a breath very well. And then in the bronchial tubes themselves, um, there's a lot of inflammation and, and hyper irritability. So those are going to be, pain, it's going to be actually painful to breathe. Um, but note the symptoms can vary tremendously from child to child. And some of them, it's really not severe at all. Um, associated with asthma, oxygen fuels our body. Um, they're struggling with that. So there's a lot of fatigue. Um, they wake up a lot at night because they don't, they can't breathe and they're catching their breath and they're kind of gasping um, for air as they wake up. And so they're tired because they're not getting a good night's sleep. Um, many of these children will miss school because there are various um, triggers to asthma. Chalk actually is one that a lot of kids um, have a trigger to and they use chalk a lot in schools. Um, but there are other things um, that can cause them to go into um, a, a period where they're really having a hard time. And again, many are in the hospital. Um, so if they are tired and they also miss law school, you can see how that could tie to not doing so well in school, which is really one of the reasons we need this diagnosis. All right, causes of asthma. Um, most people have triggers. Um, things that they're exposed to, it's, it's a sort of like an allergy on steroids. Um, so they have things that they might be allergic to. Sometimes it's a food. Um, so that might be wheat or eggs. Those are kind of big ones. Um, some actually start to have asthmatic symptoms because they exercise. Um, and obviously exercise is good for you and helps your breathing. But for these children, we have to kind of balance that um, with their symptoms. And so we try to find some not so high impact types of exercises for them. Um, some actually respond to just that it's cold. Um, and the cold actually brings on um, fits where they're starting to cough a lot and having trouble breathing. Um, any kind of respiratory infection where, you know, they've caught a cold or, you know, a sinus infection that can, can lead to an asthmatic attack. Um, there's things in the environment. Um, smoke from cigarettes is a huge one. A lot of children just cannot be around it at all. 
um, dust, mold are another big um, things that you would see. Some of the different gases in the environment, different chemicals, you know, there's all kinds of things, different kids, different ones. But um, it's a trigger and it starts them into the symptoms that they would have. All right. Sometimes they inherit this and so their parents would have uh, issues with asthma as well. Um, and then they pick it up, but some will pick it up just from environment. All right, so when we're doing an assessment, as I mentioned, we have to have that medical eval, and we do need two doctors just to make sure one of them is not your cousin um, who has given you a diagnosis so that you, uh, you know, can not go to school. Um, so the physician is going to confirm it. You know, you do, in fact, have this physical condition or this health condition that, that causes problems. Um, we're also going to do the educational evaluation to, to make sure that um their own level or their behind level so that we know kind of where we need to go um, and the team is going to make that determination through the assessment if this particular health disability is going to negatively impact their education now for health ones we usually let it go if it's a physical disability we'll really do the team to go can they work with their disability in the classroom without needing additional help all right, if we've got students with deaf blindness, we have to really, um, you know, we had that talk about what that means, but um, you got to assess them completely differently because you can't go visual and you can't go auditory. And usually those are the two big ways that we do do assessment. And so some of these kids will have that and a physical disability as well. And we're really, really struggling with assessment there. Most of the time for those things that we use a developmental type of assessment instead of a standardized assessment. Um, standardized assessments are those IQ tests that you would get that we've talked about before or, a, you know, a standardized reading test or standardized writing test. Developmental tests are those we use with, with really young children, um, oftentimes even babies, and we're looking to see physically what they can do. Um, you know, can they stack two blocks, um, one on top of the other, that kind of thing. All right, least restrictive environment is something we really do have to kind of look at. Um, where is the best placement option? Now, we don't want to say we're putting them in a more restrictive environment because it's easier for us. All right, that won't work. We have to decide where's the best placement for the actual child. So um, with physical disabilities, about 7% are in a separate setting other than the general ed classroom. So most of these children really are going to be in your regular ed classroom with your typical children. Um, now, they're not all there the whole day. So 25% are there about somewhere up to 39%. 17% um, are there from 40 to 79% of their time. And 52% are there the majority of their time, somewhere between 80 and 100%. They get pulled out for various things like physical therapy that we may have to offer at school. And if they can go all day without needing it, we won't, we won't do that. But if they need positioning help or stretching, um, we will provide those things at school if necessary. And so that may be why they're pulled out. With other health impairments, you're going to see 4% that are in a separate setting. 11%, um, so this is smaller, as you can see, than the physical disabilities are there 0 to 39%. 24% are there about 40 to 79%, and that's a little bit higher. 
um, than your physical disabilities. And 60% are in the regular class 80 to 100% of the time. And again, that's more um, that you're going to see. So more likely to be in your regular classroom for a longer period of time for other health impairments, because usually that's all that's wrong with them. And uh, they've been rounded up and collapsed, as you can see. All right, so we may need some special devices for our people who are struggling, especially with a physical disability. An orthosis is an orthotic device. And it is something that helps what you already have to work better. All right, so I have to wear glasses. I've had a lot of eye surgeries. So my glasses would be an orthosis. All right, it would help my eyes to function at their optimum level. Um, if I needed a brace on my leg, that would be an orthosis. It would help that leg to work, or a cane might be an orthosis. All right, a prosthetic device or a prosthesis is a replacement piece. Um, so I might have an artificial arm um, that I attached when my arm doesn't work or a, a, an artificial leg or foot or something like that, and I'm just replacing it now. It can also be dentures if I don't have any teeth. Um, then my dentures become a prosthesis. Um, it could be um, the um, cochlear implant where we're you know replacing um, the cochlea with that. Adaptive devices are things that we might use to function better in our environment. There's some feeders that actually you push, you know, maybe you can use your elbow and you push that and it'll drop down and get you a spoon of spaghetti and bring the spoon up to your mouth and you can lean over and take a bite. Um, something like that, something that allowed you to um, kind of a buttonhole loop where you push this through the buttonhole, grab your button and pull the button through. Um, anything like that, like Velcro, those clapping things that turn your light on and off, those are all adaptive devices. Here's a kind of a picture of an orthosis. This is um, designed for someone who is struggling with leg and needs a little extra support. It's kind of a brace um, for the leg and the foot. Here's a prosthesis, a prosthetic arm and hand. This would be attached to um, the shoulder or the upper limb if you still have it. And, and it really is the replacement for your hand. And this one has pretty good control, allowing you to move your fingers pretty well. Now, here is an animal. This is a cow. Um, and we have the cow's legs are there. If you look through, you can kind of see that. But we've got an orthotic on the back feet um, to help stabilize. Um, they may have had an injury and needed that. And so we strap those on every day and, and help him or her, I guess it's a her, um, to walk. Now, here's an animal. This elephant has had um, a problem and has lost um, the lower part of their foot. And this is actually an, a replacement foot. Um, that we've put on for our elephant to be able to continue to walk and move. And so that's that's a prosthetic or prosthesis. Um, so now you are done with the physical disabilities and the other health impairments. So you want to do your reading, um, do your writing, and answer your discussion questions, and then take your quiz after you've studied for it. And um, this is our conclusion of week eight and our course.